Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. I was thinking about there are three stories in the Bible that come to my mind of times when Jesus was right beside somebody and they didn't recognize it was him. One of them is in the book of Luke and it's following the resurrection of Christ or, or following right after the crucifixion Jesus had had risen from the grave and some of the disciples were on the road to Emmaus and they were walking along and Jesus joined them as they were walking they did not recognize who he was the other is when Mary went to the tomb looking for the body of Jesus Jesus wasn't there. And she, supposing that she was talking to the gardener, was wondering where Jesus was. You see, it's easy sometimes for us to be right beside somebody and not know who we're beside and it's easy for us to be right in the presence of Jesus and not recognize it You see, it takes a heart and a spirit that has prepared itself to recognize the presence of the Lord. Because you don't just bump into the presence of God. You don't just accidentally come upon the presence of God. there's an entertaining of the presence to be able to know the presence. Of course, Amber didn't know what I was going to talk about this morning, but I want to talk to you about entertaining the glory of God. And when I talk about the glory of God, I'm talking about Jesus. Because Jesus was glory that came down. Going to say that again. Jesus was glory that came down. Last week we talked about the wilderness and we talked about Moses saying, God, show me your glory. And we talked about that uh, the rock that the water came out of and in the New Testament the Bible says that rock that followed them was Christ. So Christ is the glory of God that came down to earth. But when the glory of God ascended back to the throne the Holy Spirit is now the glory that abides here in us. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, Destin, that the glory of God that we might know 
that the glory is not of us, but it is of Him. You say that again. We have this treasure. Jesus represented the glory of the Father. He came down to earth, walked this earth for 33 and some odd years. Signs, wonders, miracles. Dead being raised, blind eyes being opened, deaf ears being unstopped. The glory of God was all over the place. He was walking the streets of the city. He was walking by the seashore of Galilee. And the glory of God was all over that place. But the Bible says that he went to Nazareth where he grew up and nobody recognized who he was. So therefore, the glory could not be revealed as it was in other places. But I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus ascended back to the throne of the Father. And he sent back Holy Spirit. He didn't send the Holy Spirit for one specific reason. He sent him for multiple reasons. But the thing is that he abides inside of us. So if that is the case, and if that is true, then the glory that Jesus represented when he was walking on this earth is the same glory that lives on the inside of us. If that is true, and that same glory lives on the inside of us, then why are we not walking in signs wonders and miracles if I've got glory in me then why am I walking around all day long depressed about the economy depressed because somebody said something about me depressed because something is not going right in my life. Could it be that I don't understand how to entertain the glory of God that lives on the inside of me? Thank you, guys. Thank y'all. I knew this was going to be a weird one this morning because I got up, went down to my office, and was going to review my sermon for this morning that I had uh, been thinking about, meditating on, ruminating on, and all of that all week long, even, even from about three weeks ago, and I was really just going to go down there and just sit and relax and look it over and have it all together, and Holy Spirit wrecked my whole morning on that and said, this is what I want you to talk about this morning. And I want to talk to you about entertaining the presence of God. <clears throat> I want to start with this this morning. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to start with verse 1. <clears throat> Before I read that scripture to you, I want to tell you something this morning. Not everybody... Let me say it like this. You can have 
I tell you what, go ahead and just take your seat. Because we could get lengthy on this. We live in a culture today <clears throat> that 90, probably 7, 97% of the people that you ask on the street, are you, do you consider yourself a good person? 99.9% of the people are going to say, yes, I consider myself a good person. 97% of the people that you ask, more than likely, if you are a good person, do you believe that you're going to go to heaven when you die? 97, 98% are going to say, yes, because I'm a good person, I believe that I'm going to go to heaven. You ask another question, are you a born-again Christian? And most of them will reply, I am saved, or yes, I'm born again. But I want to tell you just real quickly this morning that according to, the, according to God's Word, good will not get you to heaven. Good is good, but good is not good enough to get you into heaven. If it were good that could get me to heaven, then I would not need a Savior. But because my good is not good enough, my good is limited in its ability, God sent forth His Son, born of a virgin, died on a cross, shed His blood for me, redeemed me from my sin because his good was good enough to take me out of what I thought was my good. Good manners you can have and not know Jesus. You can have good morals but not know Jesus. You can have a good character but not know Jesus. You can be a good person, but not know Jesus. You can have a good marriage, but not know Jesus. You can have a good husband or a good wife, but not know Jesus. Listen, how do you know that you're good enough? It's when you admit to yourself that you are not good enough. You can be called a good old boy or a good old girl and still not know Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody that dies, no matter how much you love them, are not good enough to get into heaven. The only way that you're going to get into heaven is through this man called Jesus. He is the only way. He has always been the only way, and he will always be the only way. Your works will not get you into heaven. Your church membership will not get you into heaven. You can be christened today and again tomorrow and again the next day and still go to hell. What gets you to heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. You can give to the poor and still be lost. You can give to the church and still be lost. You can do all of these good things and still be lost. The only way, ladies and gentlemen, is to know that you are born again. Not because your denomination tells you that. Not because your creed tells you that, but because the Word of God tells me that if I want to become a new person, I've got to walk through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, we're in a culture today where everybody thinks they're okay. But in reality, very few people are okay. 
So we need an understanding of coming to a reality with the Lord Jesus Christ and accepting Him into our life and making Him the Lord of our life. He is the King of glory. He is the Redeemer. He is the Savior. He is the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. He is the soon coming King. And He is the one that is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And there is no other way to Jesus or to heaven but through Jesus Christ. I don't know why this is so strong on me this morning. But I want to tell you something. I want to, I want to tell you something, young lady and young men. Doesn't matter how holy and righteous mom and dad are. If you don't have relationship with Jesus Christ, you are lost. If you don't have a personal relationship with him, I'm not talking about a Sunday morning, one-time stand. I'm not talking about a one night here and a one night there. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, you can tell me of your faith. You can tell me of your past. You can tell me how many scriptures you can quote. You can do all of those things. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you will not go to heaven. I know this is tough. I know, listen, I would love to be able to tell you this morning that if you'll just be good, if you'll give to the poor, everything's going to be all right. If, if you'll just attend church, everything's going to be all right. But the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, that that is not my job. My job is to poke you and to prod you and dig around your flower bed to make you uncomfortable so that you will, in effect, understand that my good is not good enough I've got to have a relationship with Jesus wow you see God saw the darkness therefore he sent light all right take your Bible and turn it that was that was an introduction to another message now I'm going to preach this message okay Genesis chapter 18, and, and uh, we're going to start with verse 1. Thank you uh, for standing uh, as we read and honor the reading of God's Word. The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, talking about Abraham. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground. I want you to notice something in this story. And, and I'm going to bring it all around. But I want you to notice the effort, the energy that Abraham puts in to entertaining these three men. All right? I want you to notice that. He ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that you shall pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant, and they for therefore are you come to your servant, and they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran to the herd and fetched a calf tender and good, and gave it unto a young man. And he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them and stood by them under the tree and they did eat. I want to talk to you this morning about 
entertaining the presence of God or entertaining the glory of God. The reason I'm saying this this morning is because this church and those who are willing and those who are hungry are about to move into another place of God's glory. We're about to step out of business as usual. So I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. And I'm not... Some of y'all might come in on Sunday morning and be looking and say, where is it at? Where is it at? You're not getting what I'm saying. Business as usual means that we do three songs, a poem, and go home. But God is taking this church out of business as usual. It is time for you to step into your destiny, McCullough. God has called you to be a light, a place of redemption, a place of healing, a place of restoration, a place of unconditional love, a place where the sinner can come and be saved, a place where the lost can come and be found. God is wanting to do something here different than any other time and any other place. But I'm telling you this this morning, that you've got, <clears throat> we've got to get out of our traditional ways of thinking. And we've got to understand that, that listen, the presence and the glory of God is not going to be here by accident. It is going to be here because somebody got intentional about entertaining God. Sit down. Go ahead and sit down. <clears throat> Listen, in this story, and, and I don't have time to go into all of it, but I just want to hit the high places of it. Abraham is sitting at his tent door, and God has already previously spoke to Abraham and Sarah about a son that he's going to give them. But there's, there's conditions at this time when Abraham is sitting in his tent door, there's some conditions and some things that have changed around him. One of those conditions is that they still haven't seen the promised son. Another condition is that there were some outside things going on around Abraham concerning his nephew Lot. Because you see, Lot was living in a place that we refer to as Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a place of great wickedness. It was a place where perversion was the rule of the day. It was a godless place. It was a place that, that nobody there knew or had relationship with God. Lot was about half backslidden. But the Bible says that even with that, that Sodom and Gomorrah vexed Lot's righteous soul. But what Abraham did not know was that God had looked down on the situations. He had a promise to bring to Abraham, and he had a judgment that he was bringing to Sodom and Gomorrah. But before we can get to the place, here's what Holy Spirit, what really prompted me on this this morning. 
And I want to say this to those of you that are interceding, those of you that are intercessors. I want to say this to you because this is where all this started this morning. Within about three minutes, it was just bam, bam, bam. So I want to tell you something, intercessors. Before Abraham, before Abraham was ever able to stand between God and judgment for the nations, he had to know how to entertain the presence of the Lord. Some of y'all, just reach back and grab that and pull it back up to you because I want you to understand this. In this passage of Scripture, it's when God is going to look and say, I know Abraham. I know, and I'm going to paraphrase, I know this is a man of God. I know he loves me. I know he's going to teach his children. He's going to guide his children in the right direction and and. And I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but these three uh, men were headed towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and they just stopped by Abraham's house. But they were headed towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and the judgment of God was going to fall. Abraham represented intercession when he stood. The Bible says that he stood yet before the Lord. He stood before the Lord and said, if, I find, if you find 50 people there, will you, will you not do it? But I want to I share something with you. Nowhere in the Bible in this passage of Scripture will you find where Abraham knew that God was on his way to deliver judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. Nowhere there. So God drew me to this entertaining thing. He drew me to this, this part in this passage, this story of where Abraham entertained these three men. The Bible says there was three of them. And, and what most uh, theologians believe is that two of them were angels and one of them was the Lord Jesus Christ what we call a theophany, uh, that, that one of them was the Lord, was Jesus. And, and I believe that Abraham recognized that it was the Lord. But here's the thing. Abraham did not know that they were coming or just passing through to carry judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. Neither did Abraham know that they were going to reaffirm to him the promise that God had already given him. But yet Abraham entertained them. And I think there's some things that we can learn by understanding the entertaining that Abraham did. I want to tell you something this morning that the glory of God and the presence of God is something that comes and it, it has to be intentional on my part. I have to be intentional about desiring and looking for the glory of God, for the presence of God. It is not something that I just wake up on Sunday morning and say I'm going to step into the glory. You might step into something, but it won't be the glory. But the Bible says, I want you to notice something, that in Genesis chapter 18, that Abraham, in verse 2, the Bible says he bowed down before them. He bowed down before them. He prostrated himself before these three individuals. There's a story there that we need to get. The Bible said, tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 2, 
says this, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Abraham bowed before these men. In other words, he humbled himself down before these three men. The Bible tells us of a story in Luke chapter 19 in verse 1, and it's the story of Zacchaeus. And how Jesus was walking by one day, going down the street, Zacchaeus, being small in stature, wanted to see Jesus. That was all he wanted to do, was just see Jesus. He had no other plans, but I just want to see Jesus. So the Bible says that he was small in stature, so he couldn't see him above the crowd. So he climbed up in a sycamore tree. That act drew the attention of Jesus. You see, we don't understand and we don't know when the actions that we take will draw the attention of heaven. But if the action and when the action that I take is motivated because I want to see him, it will always attract the attention of heaven. Let me say that again, because some of y'all are stuck on the 30-yard line in the ball game last night. Catch what I'm saying. Zacchaeus was a sinner, ladies and gentlemen. He was a sinner. He was a publican. He did not know Jesus Christ. He wasn't even a God-fearing man. But he heard about Jesus. See, that's all it takes to have life change, ladies and gentlemen, is that you hear something about God that causes you to say, I have got to find out about this man, Jesus. Jesus is walking by, Zacchaeus is over here, jumping up and down, trying to see him, but he can't see him. So he sees a tree, and in that act of worship, in that act of worship, Zacchaeus climbs up the tree with no other intentions, with no other thing in mind, but yet, when Jesus walked by, there was something that drew the attention of heaven and attracted him to this little short man hanging from a tree limb in a sycamore tree. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree, buddy. I am going to your house to eat today. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And that's all I remember from that song. You see, we attract the presence of God in ways sometimes that we're not aware of. But listen, also, on the flip side of that, we, we walk around with a spirit of rejection many times because we feel like that we can never do enough to merit the blessing of God. And that's the reason that many times we sit when we should be worshiping. We fold our arms when we should be lifting them up. 
We close our mouth when we should be praising. We, we bow our head when we should be lifting our face toward heaven and worshiping Him because we're walking around feeling like that what I do would never be good enough to merit the blessing of God. When we don't understand that sometimes all you've got to do is climb up a tree. <clears throat> Abraham bowed before them. In verse 3, it tells us that he invited them to stop. He invited them to stop. He gave them an invitation to come in or to stop. At his house. Another story in the book of Luke, and I'm I'm fixing to close. I'm getting there. Another story in the book of Luke is found in Luke chapter 10. And it is the story of Martha and Mary. The Bible says that they invited Jesus to come to their house. They invited Jesus to come to their house. Luke chapter 10 along about verse 38, I think. But they invited Jesus to come to their house. The Bible says that Jesus accepted the invitation and came to their house. In In this story, the Bible says that there was one Martha that was busy cooking and preparing and getting ready for the holidays. She was making some turkey and dressing and some haystacks and some pecan pies and stuff like that and getting ready for the holiday. But Jesus was in the house. So the distraction of preparing had caused her to miss the fact that the one that she had invited was not interested in the haystacks and the pecan pie. But the one that she invited was really interested in giving her something. But there was another one there named Mary, and the Bible says that Mary understood something. Because Mary was found sitting at the feet of Jesus while Martha was cooking. Jesus looked at Martha and said, Martha, Martha. Sometimes you have to talk to women twice. Martha, Martha. I, I, I just stepped out of the anointing. I, I'm fixing to step right back in. But Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You're cumbered about with all this stuff. But Mary has chosen that good thing that will not be taken away from her. You see, Mary was intentional about inviting Jesus to her house. Martha was intentional about inviting Jesus to her house. But Martha's intentions were wrong. Mary's was right. If you invite me to your house, do the haystacks and do the pecan pie. All right? But when you invite Jesus to the house, he's not interested in the haystacks. He's not interested there because his nature 
listen, his nature is not to come and abide with you so that he can get something from you, but his nature is to come and abide in your house so that he can give you something. So that when he walks out the front door, you ain't got to go buy more groceries. Because when he walks out of the door, you say, oh my goodness, I have got more than I had when he walked in. I've got more than I could ever think to imagine. The Bible says the next thing is in verse 4 of that passage that he honored his guest. He honored them. So he bowed before them. He invited them in and he honored them when they came in to his house. Remember we're talking about entertaining the presence of God. There's another story in the book of Luke chapter 7 in verse 36 and in this story and I'm, and I'm fixing to sum it all up. But in this story is the story of another man that invited Jesus to his house. This man's name was Simon. Simon was a Pharisee. Simon knew the law back and forward. He knew all the 600 and something commandments. He was well educated in the things of the law. So he invited Jesus to his house. To make a long story short, the Bible says that when Simon invited Jesus to his house, Jesus walked into his house. Simon never uh, acknowledged him. Simon never washed his feet. Simon never anointed his head with oil or done any of that. That was customary to that day. Why? Because Simon didn't really believe who Jesus was. But the Bible says <clears throat> that there was a prostitute. That's what she was. She was a prostitute. <clears throat> that crashed the party. And while all these men were lounged around the table, Simon, the host, was sitting there, and in comes this lady that's a prostitute, and she begins to wipe the feet and anoint the feet of Jesus with this oil. Even to the point that she's taking her hair and wiping the feet of Jesus. To make a long story even shorter, here's this woman weeping because she recognizes her sins and she recognizes the presence of Christ. Simon, on the other hand, says, and all the others, who does she think she is? And who do you think you are, Jesus, that you're allowing somebody like this to touch you? Jesus looked at Simon and said, Simon, when I came in, you didn't anoint my head with oil. You didn't even wash my feet. You didn't do anything to acknowledge that I was here. But yet this woman, this, this prostitute comes in and does everything that you should have done because she recognizes who I am. I've always said this, if you want to know who Jesus is, Hang around a devil because a devil will always reveal who Jesus is. Some of y'all missed that. You, you catch it later on. 
She wiped the feet of Jesus with the tears that she shed. Jesus was sitting around a table and was supposedly in the house to be hosted and entertained by Simon the Pharisee, which was a religious picture. But yet, Jesus was an unrecognized guest until a prostitute walks in that recognizes this is the Redeemer, this is the Savior. Jesus became entertained by her and not religion. <clears throat> now, and, and I'm going to bring all these, these three stories together. Zacchaeus, Mary, and Martha, and Simon, and this prostitute. Here's what you've got to recognize if you want to effectively entertain the presence of God. The story of Zacchaeus, everybody was grumbling. What's going on here with him? Don't he know he's a sinner? Mary and Martha. Martha was busy doing everything else while Mary was focused on Jesus being in the house. Simon was not uh, even, uh, had no clue of who he had sitting at his table. While this prostitute understood full well whose feet she was wiping with the tears that were falling down her face. But here's the thing, in all three of those cases... People had to make decisions that I am going to entertain this man called Jesus. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how they feel about it. I am going to entertain Jesus. Listen, they had disregard for what people thought about their relationship with Christ. Listen, as long as you worry about what people think, you'll never get anywhere with God. As long as you are absorbed with the idea, well, what is my neighbor going to think if I start raising my hands? You'll never raise your hands. As long as as the devil can keep you waiting on somebody else to move before you move, you will be waiting for a long time. Perhaps God is saying, if you will move, what you've been waiting on will move. You see... The Bible says that Abraham entertained these two angels and the Son of God at his house. And here's the impact when we entertain the presence of God. And I want you to catch this, and I'm going to close. Uh, Sister Sandy, you guys go ahead and come. Because I want you to understand what I'm about to say. We, so many times, get this idea that we come to church on Sunday morning. And I'm coming, and I'm going to get what I can. You see, basically, we're a bunch of taters. Some of you are spectators that you're just here to see. Some of y'all are imitators. You just want to imitate what God is doing. You see, but we come here on Sunday morning because we want God to move and we've got a need and we've got, there's something inside of us that's, that's drawing us to a relationship with Christ. And so we come here on Sunday morning looking for that. But then there are others 
that are here this morning and, and, uh, and you have come today because we've all got needs, but you have come today and you've got this idea, man, I have got so much inside of me, I just want to give it to somebody. Here's the thing. Abraham entertained angels and one being the Son of God. He entertained them without knowing where they were going. He entertained them without the idea that they was going to make an announcement before they left about a promise that was going to be fulfilled in Abraham and Sarah's lives. You see, there's a result that happens when we simply entertain the presence of God. It's not that you've got all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. It's not that you say all the right words. It's not that you've got all your hermeneutics and, and all of that together and everything and your theology uh, and all that. It's not that you know all the right scriptures to quote. And it's not that you can pray the, the, uh, the best prayer in the congregation. It's not anything about all of that, ladies and gentlemen. It's not how you wear your hair. It's not how long your sleeves are. It's not how long you wear your dress. It's not whether or not you wear makeup or anything like that. It's not whether or not you got a TV in your house or whether you drink coffee or tea or stuff like that. That's not what it's all about. It's simply about uh, a heart that is intentional about entertaining the presence of God. But here's the thing that happens when we entertain the presence of God. It is intentional. So, so remember that, that it is intentional when I entertain the presence of God. I'm doing it intentionally. Two things happen. Before these three men left, one of them looked at Abraham and said, tell Sarah, and I'm paraphrasing, tell Sarah she's about to have a baby. The Bible says that Sarah laughed. That's another story there. But what God did was he confirmed what he had already spoken to Abraham. So when you entertain the presence of God, it is a time when God will come and confirm things to you, Brother Jack. He will confirm who he is to you. Here's the second thing. The second thing, and I want you to get this picture. You three stand up. Say, oh, Jesus, what is he fixing to do? One, two, three, two angels, one's Jesus. I'm not going to tell y'all which one's Jesus because you'll get mad at the other two and thank you better than they are or something like that. But here they are. <clears throat> Here's Abraham. Come out here. Jesus standing there with his hands in his pocket. No. Nah. So here's, they've already made the announcement, you're going to, Sarah's going to have a baby and all that. 
and just, just turn around and kind of walk down the aisle there. All three of you. Stop right there. The Lord says, do I need to hide this thing that I'm about to do from Abraham? It wasn't a question that he was asking for a response. But he said, do I need to hide this thing that I'm about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah, to Abraham? Because I know who he is. Abraham standing there in his tent door. <clears throat> so here's what I believe happened. I believe the three came back. They walked back up to Abraham. They walked back up to Abraham. And the Lord said, I'm about to go down here and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Their, the stench of their sin has come up before me. probably turns around and, and starts walking uh, again. Here's the thing. I believe Abraham literally got in front of them and, and stopped. But here's something I want you to get. And I know I'm dragging this out, but I want you to get this. When I entertain the presence of God, Something happens that I don't even recognize. Something happens in heaven that God says, I see him, I recognize that he loves me. I've got to reveal things to him that nobody else knows. But I'm going to give him a revelation of what I'm about to do. Because there... <coughs> There are times, <clears throat> excuse me, there are times when God's righteous judgment is set to be poured out. But the heart of God, the righteous heart of God is breaking because he knows that people are going to be destroyed. And if somebody like Abraham doesn't entertain his presence that God knows that if I let him know he's not just going to stand there and take it but he's going to get in front of me and he's going to petition me to hold off on my judgment so that what if, if, uh, if only one person out of that nation can be saved a man like Abraham is going to cause me to hold up on what I'm doing that I can get that one righteous man out of there before the rest are destroyed I hope you're understanding what I'm saying that's when Abraham stood before God Abraham literally stood before God and judgment of a nation. Thank you guys, you can sit down. Here's what I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care what denomination you've been raised up in, and God don't care either. God doesn't care if your name's on a roll book somewhere. That doesn't matter. God doesn't care what kind of billboards you carry around on top of your head about your relationship or your connection to church. Somebody said Baskin Robbins got 32 flavors of ice cream, but it's all ice cream and it all come out of a cow. I'm not talking about yogurt. But I want to tell you something. God is calling a people to entertain Him. Why? Because God is desperately looking for somebody that will be an Abraham that will stand up. That will stand up because the judgment of God is coming. It is coming. Would you stand with me, please? I know I've gone way, way over my time. 
Well, I hadn't gone, but just a few minutes over. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I said this earlier. You can be a good person. You can have good manners. You can, you can be honest. You can have all of those things. But if you do not know Jesus Christ, you will not get to heaven. You cannot entertain the presence of God without knowing the God that you're entertaining. So I'm asking you this morning. I'm calling you this morning and I'm, I'm calling you today to make a decision. Do you know Him? Do you know Him as the Lord of your life? And if you know Him as the Lord of your life, if you will make a decision, God... I am going to bow myself before you. I am going to invite you, not only in my life today, but I'm going to invite you to be the Lord of my life. God, I'm going to honor you with my life. I'm going to give you honor with everything that I do. And then the last thing is, God, I'm going to minister to you.